Locked On Podcast Network and State Farm present Paving the Way, a new series highlighting important voices across Locked On's network. Every month, our host Kanani Stevens will showcase other Locked On hosts who come from underserved communities to hear the challenges they face to become a sports broadcast personality. Who will be paving the way this episode? Find out now. Locked On Podcast Network and State Farm present Paving the Way. It's a new series that we're doing highlighting important voices across Locked On's network. Every month, we will showcase other Locked On hosts who come from underserved communities to hear the challenges that they have faced to become a sports broadcast personality. This week, we have Robin Liano from Locked On Coyotes. We talk about her journey coming out as trans and the supportive community of sports mentors that she has surrounded herself with. Robin, we're so happy to have you here on Paving the Way. And we like to start out with our uh, interviewees and kind of get a little bit of background. So if you don't mind telling us where you grew up and kind of how sports was an integral part of maybe your childhood. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, so I, I grew up in, in the San Francisco Bay Area in, uh, in San Jose. So and like my family, entire family was like whole family of about six people. And like sports was like centric around our lives. Literally every day we would probably find a, a game on in the summer. There was always a San Francisco Giants game on, you know, in the in the fall winter. There was always a Niners game on. There was always a Sharks game on. We always had something on because like that's kind of what brought us close together as a family. Mm-hmm. And look, I look at that. I'm like, it's no, I'm glad that was a part of it. But it's like that's it was pretty crazy how like how much of hours of sports we all watched together kind of becomes the fabric of the family, right? Because like, maybe you don't agree on other things, but we can all watch some sort of game together. Um, you cover the NHL now, but was that always your favorite sport? Or did you kind of grow to love hockey later? Yeah, it's interesting, because like, I've always had a little bit of a connection to hockey. And I probably was, it was definitely one of my favorites. That was like one of my top three. Um, but when I went off to college, I kind of wanted to find a sport to really love. And and uh hockey became that thing because my hometown was san jose mm-hmm. and out of all the bay area sports teams the san jose sharks were that team mm-hmm. um so i was like okay i'm gonna follow this team for a while and then see what happens from there but then overall it ended up just becoming a just a hockey love not just sharks but just hockey in general college hockey uh minor league hockey professional hockey everything about it i just loved it um you mentioned college obviously that's a huge point um for people to kind of like figure out who they are, figure out what they're doing. Um, when you got there, did you know you wanted to go into sports? Like, how did that come about for you? Um, yeah. So I actually, before I went, even went to college, I actually had to like declared a, uh, my major in journalism and I had the intention of going into, uh, into sports. I had a minor in sports management as well. I, I knew this from the very start. I knew this in high school. I wanted to go into sports journalism. Um, it, what, in what exact, aspect of it i didn't really know broadcast print whatever it was mm-hmm. but i knew i wanted to get into sports uh and there were just so many elements of sports in college you know i went to the university of arizona football and basketball or like and uh, even softball to some extent is like life and blood there um mm-hmm. so to to uh, be a part of that aspect was fun but even down th- down there in tucson like hockey still called me 
That's awesome to have that tie and to know it that early too, because not everybody does. Um, we talk a little bit about on the show, just kind of representation and, you know, being able to visualize yourself in a job because a lot of us as younger people didn't have anybody to look up to um, that looked like them or sounded like them or maybe identified the same way as them. So can you kind of talk about how you identify now and then also how it was as a kid to kind of look at people doing the job you wanted, but not really seeing yourself in that? Yeah. So, um, I, so I, I am a, 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 a trans individual, a trans person of color, a trans woman, um, and growing, and, uh, I didn't really know how I identified back then, growing, you know, as a, as a kid. Um, but I knew there was something, you know, some bits of me that, like, that was different. I looked watching TV and I would see like Hispanic broadcasters. I would see Asian slash like, you know, Pacific Islander broadcasters. And I'm like, cool, they look like me, but I don't feel like this connection with me. Um, I just feel like there's a, there's something missing at an element of how I, how, how I feel and what's going on in sports. And it wasn't until after I came out as trans that I kind of really realized to myself, I'm like, oh, that's what it's missing. Because mm -hmm. there are no like trans broadcasters out there. There are very few um, trans sports writers out there. Um, so, and once I found that there are at least a couple out of that write out there, I'm like, okay, at least I know there's that, that they, 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 they exist. Mm -hmm there's just not enough representation and it when i found that out it kind of put me down for a little bit but then i realized that you know there's there's an opportunity here to kind of you know be a voice for those kind of people obviously you're an example of that you mentioned there uh, there are a few um trans writers now openly trans writers now um is that kind of how do you deal with that and and obviously being open is so hard with anybody let alone you know when you're in a public position so has that always been easy for you to do or or just is that something you just learn to accept uh it's 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 something you learn to accept because i think like the first couple months after being out like i was nervous like crazy especially being out here in the sports world it's a very uh you know it's a very hyper masculine you know it's and you I, I put my entire, like my entire, like personality around, you know, you know, who I kind of identified as before I came out. Um, I had, um, several podcasts under my, um, previous name and to just slowly transition over that. I was worried I would lose listeners. I was worried I would, um, like get comments on YouTube or comments on my and reviews of my podcast on any kind of discrimination. Mm -hmm. Um, but over time, those worries just went away. I'm just like, look, I don't care if people, if there are a small group of people that, that don't like me for my, for who I am. Mm -hmm. I have a good chunk of people who still follow me for the content I produce. And I think that's all that really matters. I think it always helps to focus on our actual jobs. I know it, our personalities are brought into this, but if you can do your job well, I feel like people always respect that. Um, have you felt like uh, from your colleagues and, and maybe your mentors that you felt like you always had that support even when you were um, coming up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there were um, uh, uh, 
several people here uh, Nick, in the network that have like once I first came out, like they were the first, some of the first people I talked to. Um, they showered me with love. I talked to uh, some of my professors at the University of Arizona. I was already graduated at this point, but uh, I reached out to them because I still work close to them. Uh, and they showed out their support. They kind of told, they kind of helped guide me through the, uh, the emotional process of it all. It's definitely not easy. And, and having that support system is huge, especially, um, when you're doing something like, you know, just, just being open with your viewers and everything like that. Um, in terms of, I guess I'll talk a little bit about this. Hockey isn't always the most inclusive of sports. So you're mm -hmm. definitely dealing with that a little bit too. Um, you mentioned your colleagues being very supportive, but is it hard sometimes to cover a sport that doesn't feel like it's always supportive of different kinds of people? Um, yeah, it is. You know, I sometimes like I, I think about the way hockey is and the kind of culture it surrounds itself with. with um, sometimes I worry about stepping into a locker room. Someone sees how I look and sure, I might look a certain way and I might, uh, and use the term here, uh, like pass as, mm -hmm. um, as a certain gender to them. I open my voice and everything kind of, and, 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 and I think that's where I, st I still get a little worried. Like, okay, what's this app might like, like you know, like, do they, are they going to feel hostile towards me just because mm -hmm. I, I identified a certain way? Um, or even just then, you know, just outside of that, I hear how they say when I'm not around, um, mm -hmm. what they say about, um, about LGBT individuals, not just trans, but, you know, gay, lesbian, bi, or anything like that. And, uh, it just, that kind of puts me down a little bit. Cause I'm just like, look, do you, like, it's, it's hard to be in a sport that doesn't accept, accept me as much. Um, but again, I just look at the colleagues around me and the people and the fans and people that do support me. And I'm like, look, at least I know that it's a, it's just groups of people. Like mm -hmm. if it's not everybody, I know there are at least still people out there. Absolutely. And kind of forging our way through whether or not, it's there to begin with. We got to make room for ourselves. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about hockey. Obviously, they try to do these LGBTQ nights. Sometimes there isn't a ton of support always in different markets. Um, what are your hopes maybe to see from the league and, and possible changes going forward? You know, I, I think the big thing is, um, you know, with, you know, with Pride Nights, for example, like I'm like, I'm glad they have those. Um, mm -hmm. But I think there needs to be a little bit more done. I think, um, sure, you can wear a um, like a rainbow jersey in pregame. You can have the pride tape, um, but it really goes beyond that. It really goes, you know, interacting with your community. It really goes with supporting the local LGBT groups in your own city. Um, there are like, you know, there are. I know there are plenty in all of these NHL cities. You can support them. You can go out and interact with them. You can you know, make them feel welcome. That's, that's hopeful for going in the future that we can get a little bit more of that representation. Obviously, you're a perfect example of that. Um, how did you kind of end up with Locked On? I know you were, wanted to do journalism from the get-go, but kind mm -hmm. of how did you end up here? And, and I love it here because I feel like it's super inclusive and you get to kind of be yourself. Is that something you really enjoy about the network? Yeah, it's, um, you know, get, getting to Locked On was... Um, 
you know, has been great. I have, uh, I've been covering the, uh, the Arizona Coyotes, like, and Tucson Roadrunners for, for so many years. Um, while, while I was in, still in college, I actually got a chance to get my first professional writing gig. I was writing for, um, you know, another network and, I got a chance to, you know, be covering the Roadrunners. I believe it was their second year. And throughout all those years, uh, I eventually gave, gave myself a rapport. Someone from Lockdown reached out to me and was like, Hey, like, we're looking for host for the cover of the Coyotes. I know you're covering the AHL, but I'm sure you're familiar with the Coyotes at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, absolutely. It's another opportunity. I'll take it. Uh, and once I, once I got that gig, I got a chance to learn more about the, um, learn more about the coyotes and it gave me the opportunity to interact with the, with the community. Um, not just the lockdown community, but the Arizona community. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already had that covering in Tucson, but then I got that, that, uh, that leg up here, um, in the, uh, the Phoenix area. So, uh, that's been also really fantastic. Do you feel like being able to cover them and kind of start out at that level and move up? Um, has given you like an extra edge. I always feel like if you work your way up with the team, like you have that extra respect level and you just know them a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting because uh, covering the Roadrunners in their second year, there were a lot of uh, prospects and players down there who play for the Coyotes now. If I go to uh, a, a press event or, you know, go to a locker room, go interview that specific player, um, you know, some of them will remember me, maybe some of them won't. Um, mm-hmm. but I at least have the, some of that rapport with those that do. And mm-hmm. we can talk about, you know, what, you know, what we remember from when they were in Tucson to where they are at now. Um, it really allows me the opportunity to see the full scope of everything from not just myself going up, but seeing all these players going and, and getting their own, uh, career, career movement. Um, what are some goals you have for yourself going forward? Obviously, you've uh, worked your way up to the NHL now. You cover that team um, and the Coyotes in Arizona. Um, what do you hope to kind of do going forward that you haven't done already? I mean, I'm I, I'm still trying to you know keep keep my way in sports. I'm you know still mm-hmm. still trying to cover the NHL. Um, you know, my hope is to get you know get up there to a uh, that more national, at least that national level, or at least say um, the Look, looking for is like a uh, like, like a TV gig. getting back in radio. Um, I did work at mm-hmm. radio for a little bit in Tucson, but up here in the valley, there's a lot more opportunities up here. Um, trying to get my voice out there a lot more. I think we touched on this a little bit, but like, how has your family been? Obviously, you moved to Arizona. Um, you've done all that uh, you've done with your career. You've you've come out personally. How have they been? Have they been supportive to you and kind of your journey? Yeah, you know, I think. Like my my family has definitely been supportive. I feel like it's a it was like a it took them a little bit of time on mm-hmm. both finding my career and um and and myself coming out. Uh, after I graduated at the from the U of A, um, my parents were extremely adamant that I come home for a little bit mm-hmm. and spend time there and figure out maybe find a job back in the Bay Area. Um, but you know, right after they were telling me to come home, I had gotten offered a job at the. Uh, uh, the flagship sports radio station in Tucson. And mm-hmm. I was like, fantastic. I'm going to work here for a little bit, even if it's a, you know, a producer or a board operator job. I'm going to, you know, work my way and get those opportunities. Um, did that for a few years. I came out. My parents were just like, you were 
they said they were supportive, but they un- but they knew the challenge I'd, challenges I'd face, and they're like, like maybe you can come home or do something. I'm like, look, I'm still I'm still battling all these things. Let me t- let me take mm-hmm. care of this myself. And uh, now they, I mean, they continue to tell me how much they support me and how proud of that I've gotten to the point that I'm at right now, and not just my parents, but my siblings as well. And that's great. Cause I mean, obviously I think a lot of parents, I'm sure a lot of people have different situations, but you know, they support you, but any parent, they support you, but they're worried for you, right? Cause you're their kid, So they always want the best for you in that situation. But to have that support is, especially when you're doing something um, very brave and, and maybe different to other people, it's, it's, it's always good to have that support, whether it's from work friends, family, or whoever. Um, obviously we all need role models, you know, mentors, people that have kind of guided us through this journey in sports media. Do you have any specific people that kind of got you to where you are or really helped you get there? Yeah, there were, uh, there are two people like that, uh, I can name, like main specifically the, uh, the first would be, um, uh, Tim, Timothy Gasson, uh, uh, he uh, down here in Tucson. Uh, down in Tucson, uh, he was known as uh, the AZ Puckman. Uh, hmm. He he covered he covered hockey in Arizona for uh, I don't know over 30, 40 years. Um, he even saw the like other minor league hockey teams before the U of A hockey was a thing. Um, like he was so familiar with hockey down there. Like to be to work with him was great a great opportunity. And the interesting thing is I applied to work for him for the U of A for a little bit. Uh, he gave me a probationary period and I was a sophomore or a freshman in college and I was a little bit lazy to be honest. And he's like, look, I can't like, you, you got to understand what you're going to do. Like you got to understand the work ethic in this, in this field. If you're not going to put that work ethic, I can't have you. So he rejected my application. I kind of took that to heart and I'm like, look, I'm, I'm going to work hard now. I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to prove everyone else. And, uh, he kind of took a smile to that afterwards. Um, I continued, I started covering the U of A, um, independently. And I always talked to him every freaking, every day. I thanked him for that life lesson. Um, and he was that one, he was one of the people that I would talk to after, uh, after graduating as well. Um, and you know, he helped me get to uh, get the Roadrunners opportunity. He he was definitely one of those one of those people that I really appreciate having that having out there. Um, but um, I, I think even more so, I'd have to talk about the other one as well because Brett Brett Barra is the other one because mm-hmm. I probably had a, had an even longer working relationship with him because. Brett was the uh, media director at the U of A while I was a student at the U of A. I worked in student media. I was a sports director at the radio station. I was general manager at the radio station my senior year. So I worked closely with them. Um, and my, during my senior year, he was also the beat writer for the Tucson Roadrunners while I was mm-hmm. also beat writer for the Tucson Roadrunners for a different publication. So we, so we were always talking to each other going back and forth about what it's like covering Tucson, what it's like being, you know, kind of give him giving me advice, like what, what can I do to get to the professional after I graduate? What am I going to do? Um, so we'd always have conversations like that. 
and enough so that I considered him a close friend to be to the point where once I came out, he was one of the first people, one of the first people that I talked to, one of the first person I turned to, for, to turn to for advice. He was super supportive and uh, immediately kind of changed from my previous name to the, to the name I use now, Robin, and continued to treat me like a professional colleague. That's all you can ask for. I mean, really to just have that respect from your coworkers and mentors um, and, and an ally in that and that change for you. Uh, in terms of, you know, future generations of trans people that are kind of looking at the situation, there are a couple representations now, in, at least in sports writing. Um, but how do you hope that things are different for them or, or any advice you have for them um, trying to get into sports media? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the biggest thing is, like, you look at um, the uh, look at the trans community and, you know, the, the political aspect of participating in sports right now, whatever, like, you know, whatever it might be at the time and wherever, um, these people might live. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks brutal right now, but you know, when you get to cover sports, it, it is definitely something like don't let any, don't let anyone discourage you from, from either participating or covering in sports. And, just keep doing what you're doing. Work hard. Um, show that you're just like you're, you are like everybody else. You are a professional. You are here to work. Um, and always do everything. You know, it's, uh, you know, you might be wanting to cover a sport that's not out there. Do something different. Find something, find your, find a niche and just keep writing. Just keep talking into a microphone. Um, and just do everything. Before we end the show, we do want to highlight an organization we are working with in an effort to support paving the way for future generations faced with less favorable opportunities. State Farm and Locked On will be giving a donation to the incredible organization Everyone On for every host who visits our series. Thank you, Robin. The mission of Everyone On is to unlock opportunities by connecting families in underserved communities to affordable internet services and digital literacy training. Doing so creates significant positive changes in the communities and society as a whole. A big thank you to our good neighbors at State Farm for their support on behalf of our hosts and helping pave the way for so many others in our community. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Robin, we thank you for being a part of Paving the Way and for sharing your story. 